0: Hey, Exponential friends and family, so good to be with you this afternoon for another episode of our Healthy Rhythms for Thriving Leaders Conversations. Uh, I'm delighted to get to host the show with Dr. Winfield Bevins as my co-host. He is an author and teacher who is passionate about helping leaders thrive by promoting healthy rhythms that connect spiritual and missional practices. Uh, Dr. Bevins is the director of church planting at Asbury Theological Seminary, co-founder of Missional Formation Coaching, and as a seasoned practitioner and coach, he frequently speaks at conferences, churches, seminaries on a variety of topics. He's also the author of several books, Ever Ancient, Ever New, Marks of a Moment, uh, and is the co-author of the soon-to-be-released Healthy Rhythms for Thriving Leaders, we're thrilled to get to learn from him each week. Uh, Winfield, welcome. It's so good to get to do this with you.
1: Hey, Carrie, it's great to be with you today. Very excited about today's episode, um, uh, you know, to hear from Wayne, uh, his, his book, his personal story and research actually was really um, significant um, in my own personal life a number of year, years ago when I was kind of really in the middle of the first few years of a church plant. So very excited about what we're going to be discussing today, so good to be with you.
0: We were just talking right before uh, we jumped on with you all just at the cost that some of this wisdom comes from. So I know we're all honored to get to be joined by Dr. Wayne Cordero and to learn from his wisdom. Uh, Wayne is the founding minister of New Hope Church in Oahu, Hawaii, one of the fastest growing churches in the nation. New Hope oversees four Bible colleges and has planted over 150 churches across the Pacific Rim and throughout the Western United States. Wayne, believes in investing in the future of leaders Um, he releasing the god-giving potential of the next generation and to this end he serves as the president of new hope christian college in eugene oregon which recently planted a lab church new hope west to provide a venue for hands-on practicum for ministry students um, Wayne has authored twelve books, including *Leading on Empty*, *Doing Church as a Team*, *The Divine Mentor*, *The Irresistible Church*. He is the general editor of the Life Connect Study Bible. Wayne, Dr. Cordero, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon.
2: Mary, it's a joy. Thanks for having me on with you in Winfield. Uh, this subject that we're going to be talking about is extremely relevant to everybody, and so I think it's very timely.
0: Absolutely. I would propose that it's been relevant to all of us for a long time. And this season has illuminated how much we need to lean into these conversations. I know you wrote a book called Leading on Empty. Would you share with us a little bit more about your personal journey? Uh, how did you get to the place that you were leading on empty?
2: Well, Carrie, I didn't see it coming. You know, I uh, i don't know. I was just dumb, I guess. Maybe more ignorant. Ignorant. Because this is our first run at this at this kind of stuff. And so, I was just passionate about ministry, passionate about discipling, passionate about planting churches, and so we were having fun, and uh, there's the opposite of, of euphoria is dysphoria, and, and sometimes you have stress and distress, and well, my stress came from being overly passionate about doing the things of God, and uh, so actually, I was speaking at a conference in California, and I went out for a run right before the conference and I don't know what happened, but I found myself sitting on the curb crying, convulsing, and I didn't know what was going on. And I remember putting my hands up in front of me and they were shaking and I said, something just broke and I have no idea what. Well, I cleaned up and went on with my conference uh, because you see, when you're frying on the inside, you always burn out sooner on the inside than on the outside. Mm-hmm. And you've got a conference to speak at and a plane to catch and you've got very regular Sunday services waiting for you back at home. And so uh, sometimes even though you're empty, uh, you got to lead on empty. And that's a dangerous place to be in. But you have to know how to navigate that. And if you can, it just might save your life.
0: Yeah, certainly for those listening, I think we're feeling some of those fractures and new ways after this, you know, now year long season and pandemic, but perhaps some people were feeling that way even before. And this has just exacerbated that. Give us some of the common warning signs that a pastor may have if they're in trouble uh, getting close to a place of burnout. What were those warning signs for you on your journey?
2: Well, there are several uh, what I call minor strokes, <laughs> so, but you don't feel them, but they're there and they start messing up your brain. And one of the, let me give you the big strokes first, but one is a loss of, of joy. I mean, you can still do your ministry, and, and uh, but the joy starts to leak out. It's not as fun as it used to be. It starts to get work, uh, get to be work. You know, the devil can't steal your ministry, So he'll steal the joy of doing ministry, and you'll drop out of it on your own. He can't steal your marriage, but he'll steal the joy of being married, Mm. and you'll drop out, disqualify yourself on your own. Uh, Psalm 51, verse 10 says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew me with a willing spirit. Mm. And that was one of the symptoms that uh, I didn't recognize at first because I was just ignorant of what symptoms were in this this whole deal that I was going through. So one was just a, a loss of, of joy. And the other is uh, stress fractures, just small stress fractures in your family. It's not a broken bone. It's just a linear fracture that you know something's not right with you and your wife, but you still go off to the office and you preach your sermons and but you know that something's not quite right. Mm. Then the third, and you, you let it go. Mm-hmm. The third is fatigue. Uh, I remember waiting for an appointment and I got there a little early and I was so tired, Carrie, I fell asleep in my car. <laughs> I was out. And, uh, and that started happening more and more where I was just so tired and I would lay down on the couch and almost groan. And then, I started to get pain in my neck and it was getting so severe I actually had a doctor inject stuff into my neck muscles to get them to loosen up and it's a lot of therapy but still I was ignorant that that was coming from somewhere deep inside and I had no idea how to reach it.
0: I love how you're inviting each of us. I'm sure people are kind of taking a mental inventory right now of just paying attention to those pain points, right? Like I think as leaders, we can tolerate a lot and over time tolerating them, you know, is is part of the challenge here. I know you talk a lot about the importance of refilling your tank, uh, renewing your passion. And it, it sounds like that sort of crisis in leadership really caused you to create some rhythms of how you do that. Refill your tank and renew your passion. Give us some insight into how you chose to live on the other side of that fracture. You
2: know, um, finding your rhythm is not an easy thing. I just have to admit <laughs> it's, 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 it's intentional. If you can think of a plate, it has a rim around the edge and the food is set, here's some a little bit of culture, but the center part of a plate where the food goes is called the well, and then there's a lip, and then there's a rim and a base. Well, right around the rim and the lip, there's an edge, a margin, a border, mm-hmm. and uh, in our life, we have to find where that edge is, where the rim is. So you, you have to sort of push stuff out, try it, you've got to... Get some life experiences. And some people are so afraid of burning out, their food is in the middle of the plate, and there's an acre of land around it, but we don't want to burn out. Uh, Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 58. It says this. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Uh, Stretch out the borders of your tent. Spare not go to the left, go to the right, strengthen your pegs for I will stretch you abroad or increase you to the west and to the east and your, your descendants will inherit the nations. So in other words, what God is saying is you need to find out where your edges are because some people's potential is so grand, but they'll never find it for fear of burning out. Hmm. What I didn't know is when you got to the margins and I hit the rim, I kept I was thinking I could fly, and that was my problem. You had limits? Boy, did I. But you don't know where they are, see? So you've got to know when the uh, symptoms are hitting, when, when the pain level increases. For example, uh, if you have a child, and a child is growing, and you're going to buy shoes for your child, well, when do you know it's time to get a bigger size shoe, mm-hmm. It's when your child goes mom my feet hurt Mm -hmm. ah it's time for a bigger shoe well sometimes in finding your rhythm you have to be able to come to the edge of your shoe and say it's time for a new shoe what i did was i kept running on borrowed time Mm -hmm. until my toes started to bleed and that was my fault i my pain tolerance was high and I didn't know that. It's, it's intentional to find that. And you have to know when to increase the size of that shoe. Sure. You also find in Isaiah, uh, in the fifth chapter, it says something real interesting. It says, but woe to those who add house to house and field to field until there's no more room. And then you live alone in the midst of the land. One of the things I found out about busyness is it causes loneliness. Mm-hmm. Because you see, you become so task-oriented, you don't have time for friends because friendships are built in the margins. Your marriage is increased and deepened in the margins. Everything happens in the margins. And when you use up your margins, uh, you've used up relational space and you start to live alone in the land. So you're going to find where your competency reaches your capacity. At that point you need to know, okay, here's my rim. And then you move back a little bit off those guardrails. If you can do that, that will help you so much. And the main symptom is pain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm hearing a couple of things here that you're telling us to pay attention to, right? Like that blister and the rubbing and where their edges. And I think if we're just really honest, ministry demands different level of contribution in different seasons. One of the greatest um, investments I had Dr. Jim Burns making me was like, each of us needs to have those lists, that list of questions where my questions would be different than yours or different than Winfield's, but those questions where you're just taking that inventory, right? How was your relationship with your spouse? You mentioned how are your friendships? Do you have redemptive, positive, you know, what's the joy level in your life? It sounds like was another one for you. Are there other things that were just symptoms for you or that you would even propose leaders listening to us right now, symptoms for them to pay attention to when it comes to hitting that point of crisis?
2: Yeah, it's also, you know, in physical areas like even your sleep. When you're starting to have jagged, rugged, ragged edges on your sleep, uh, you want to pay attention to that. And that's a big one. Uh, a lack of exercise. When we start getting so busy that we really don't have time to exercise like we used to. And then I look at my disciplines, like daily devotions, all of the basics of my faith, that I start to compromise a little bit. Uh, not throw out the window, but I start to compromise because I got places to go, people to see, things to do. And, and I tell people, when your life starts to get flat and you start to feel these symptoms, uh, become, uh, become p- professionals at the basics. <laughs> get back to the basics. And when you are back to the basics, when, when you're exercising, when you're doing devotions, when you're developing deep friendships, everything else falls into place. Until then, everything else will start to unravel.
0: I've heard you talk a little bit about the, that 5% of the basics, right? Give us that 5% principle. And I know Dr. Bevins has a question here too, a good follow-up question. Yeah, I, I encourage
2: people to get back to their 5%. You see, 85% of what you do, anybody can do. Like we're doing right now, just talking on over uh, you know, uh, the internet, uh, uh, doing email, uh, calling somebody. 85% of what we do, anybody can do. of what we do, someone with the same modicum of training can do. They can teach a Bible study or they can do brain surgery. I mean, people are trained to do these things. So 10% of what you do, people with the same amount of training can do. But there's 5% of what you do, only you can do. Nobody else in the universe can do. Get back to that 5%. What is that? Well, only I can be a husband to my wife, Anna. Nobody else in the universe can do that. Only I can be a dad to my kids. Only I can keep myself physically healthy. <laughs> I wish I could delegate it to one of our interns and say, "Go work out for me at the and then apply it to my muscle structure at 5 p.m. tonight. You know, and only I can keep myself spiritually fit. You can't delegate that out to anybody. If you're not involved in the Word of God and you're not growing in Christ, you just nobody's going to do it for you. And then finally, I say to people, only you can take time to enjoy life. I mean, you just can't delegate that out. If you're, when I went to Hawaii, Carrie, and we were pioneering our second church, we started on the big island of Hawaii. And then 11 years later, we pioneered in the capital. Oahu's gorgeous, Waikiki Beach, But for the first four years, because I was so intent on pioneering the church, I never swam in the ocean once in Hawaii in four years. Mm. It
0: was grieving for you right now. Yeah. I
2: was focused so intently on because I felt this is what God's called me to do. I've got to do it and I've got to get it right. And so I never went swimming. The only time I touched the ocean was to baptize people. That was it. And so after four years, it's like the Lord said, when was the last time you swam in the ocean? And mm. I could not think of a time. And then I started to realize I wasn't taking time to enjoy life. There's an old rabbinic saying that goes like this. One day, God will hold each of us accountable for all the things he created for us to enjoy, but we refused to do so. You look around the things that God has created for us to enjoy. It's multitudinous. Mm-hmm. We take any time to breathe in the morning sunrise or to enjoy an evening sunset. So I started a, in my rhythm uh, a, the 30-second rule. The 30-second rule is pretty dumb, but it's pretty good. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it's this. Uh, take 30 seconds more when you're ready to turn and leap. 30 seconds more to enjoy the sunset. Breathe it in, look at it, comment on it. 30 seconds more to enjoy your food. I mean, if you asked a bunch of us, what did we have for breakfast? We can't remember. We wolfed it down. Just take time to enjoy the taste of it. We've stopped doing that. Take time to enjoy your children. You know, funny thing they said, or your spouse. or Take time to enjoy just something, some things. And one of the things was, I remember uh, getting off the platform and this lady wanted to tell me about, and there's a line of people wanting to say hello and get prayed for And One lady wanted to tell me about her ill, her sick cat. And I thought, oh God, you know, there's so many other people in line and this lady wants to tell me about her cat. So I'm listening to her and smiling and I'm looking around thinking, Lord, please move this lady on. And I said to her, oh, thank you, thank you. There's some people behind you. And uh, so she graciously left, but right then, I don't know if you've ever had God do this, but he spoke to me and he said, she needed 30 seconds more of your time. Mm -hmm. If you would have just embraced her and prayed for her, that would have made her day. She came up to get a touch from her shepherd and the shepherd shoot her away like a fly. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I remember he said, 30 seconds, 30 seconds could have been... A miracle take place in her life. Uh, an emotional healing could have taken place, and yet you you brushed it by. Thirty seconds will make your life much richer. And I've never forgotten that. And so I instituted a thirty second rule.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so powerful. So powerful. Dr. Bevins, did you have a question? And I wanna remind listeners as well, if you have questions for Dr. Cordero, drop them in the chat and we'll try to get to all of those in there as well.
1: Yeah, Wayne, I'm gonna show you this. So we planted on the East Coast, the Outer Banks, North Carolina. Have you heard of the Outer Banks? It's, no. where, it's where all the big swells come up through these, oh. the hurricane swells. Ooh. So there's a picture of me surfing. Oh my. And when we moved there to plant, that was one of the things that really kind of helped. That was one of my rhythms. Uh, the Lord really spoke to me and said, you need to embrace the creation. You need to get in the ocean. And, you know, where is beauty? Where is joy? Wherever you are, you know. Yeah, I didn't know you were a shredder. You need to come over to Hawaii. Well, North- that's, I, I that shamelessly showed this to you because I'm, I'm wanting to come to Hawaii. So, uh <laughs> Any of the islands, I'll, I'll come spend time with you. So, you know, I did want to just, I, I, I want to make sure we don't move past it. You know, you mentioned some of the things and one, one of the things that was provocative for me in in your book, Leading on Empty, is the idea of the signs, the, the warning signs. And I think I think that's something really significant that I would encourage readers or, you know, those that are listening to really think through. And, you know, as Carrie and, you know, we've, we've kind of said is that, sometimes those are different for each of us. Um, And so some of my own research and I teach on here at Asbury and the doctor ministry is signs of burnout. And if it's okay, I'd like to just share a couple other that are really common in terms of that most people have when it comes to, I think a a loss of vision and a passion for ministry Mm -hmm. is one of those common things, you know, especially working with my work with church planners, planners will start off with this fresh vision, excitement, then they lose their their vision and the passion. Um, they begin to isolate themselves. One of the key things that um, too that is very common is anger. Um, and I, I like you know you really were hitting on it this this idea of the little fractures. What are the little signs? And I, I think it was on the cover of your book, kind of like a you know a car engine running on empty. And, you know, your car will warn you, there'll be a little light that'll go off. And it's easy to ignore that. Um, you know, sometimes it's the tire pressure. Sometimes it's you need to change the oil. And um, as we have these little signs in our life, um, we need to really take stock of those things. Because those little things that happen over a period of time, kind of like the, you know, the the small foxes are the ones that spoil the vine. It's the same thing in our life. These little things um, day in, day out, week after week that we kind of brush aside and we don't really take time to really kind of tend to, those are those are our body's way, physiologically. Our, our body's telling us something is wrong. And it's, you know, we talked about this just, just before we started. You know, a car, if you don't change the oil, if you don't rotate the tires, if you don't fill it with gas, what will eventually happen is that engine's going to blow. And I think what's significant about your story that you shared is, There was a physical, it wasn't, this isn't just emotional, spiritual, but there's a physiological component to this that could actually completely destroy your health. I'd like for you to share that because um, I think most people, it's easy to be like, oh, I'll just take a break and just, you know, get better if I take a little break here or there. There are long-term ramifications, I think, that I want to make sure we get across in today's episode to not tending to the signs of burnout. Yeah, Winfield, thanks
2: for that. Those are great uh, signs and uh, and wonders because we see the signs and we wonder about them. <laughs> but uh, the other side of it is after I had that stress and even with the shots in my neck and trying to release the muscles, I had to keep leading. That's one of the things when everyone's expecting you to preach this Sunday, you know, and smile and tell a joke. And you're in pain, but you've got to laugh and smile. Then you go home and you're fatigued and you're struggling. Let me tell you what happened on the other side of the story of this is directly after that book was written, I actually suffered a heart attack. So what I didn't know was my heart was it was uh, getting clogged up with too much Uh, cholesterol and and, and too much blockages. So I have three stents in my heart today. They flew me uh, in an emergency trip to Stanford Medical. And uh, then after that, uh, about eight years after that, I, I had cancer and then went through surgery. So I'm on the other side of that. But there are ramifications that are invisible at the time when our we're thinking that just just our pain threshold we need to increase mm-hmm. but let me give a disclaimer if i can uh and that is this if i could give everybody a pill so that they would escape any uh symptoms of burnout i wouldn't do it mm-hmm. because you see you've got to find your capacity you've got to find your potential and if you're a young leader you know innovative leader I want to encourage you to to reach out, try stuff. You need life experiences. You don't need protective devices at this time. You need to develop life experiences. You're going to have people that you're going to counsel that will love you, betray you, bilk you, turn on you. You need all of those because those are life experiences and you have to learn how to navigate those. If we say we don't want to burn out, you'll never find your potential. On the other hand, you can go too far, not finding that rhythm or that edge, and you'll go over the other side. See, the devil doesn't care what side of the boat you go off so long as you go off. You can go off on this side and never find your potential because you're afraid of burning out or messing up or getting too fatigued. On the other hand, you can go so far to the other side, you go off the other side of the boat. There is a rhythm for young leaders and, and new leaders and emerging leaders, even elderly le- leaders. There is, a, there is a rhythm you have to find, and it has to be intentional. My problem was that I didn't, know, I didn't know how to rest from my labors, and I didn't know how to rest in my labors. See, some people know how to rest from their labors, but they, they just go like crazy within until they fry, and then they take some time off. No, no, there's a rest from our labors, and maybe we can talk about this, Carrie, but it's solitude versus isolation. But we know how to take a rest from our labors, but we don't know how to rest in our labors. Uh, There's little sabbatical moments that I needed to learn how to take. For example, when I took a Monday off, I needed to take it off and not be on my computer all day, and just because I was at home, I'm on a Sabbath. I'm still working, my brain hasn't shut off. And when I started to have anxiety breakdowns, I thought I was having a heart attack. I couldn't breathe. I called my doctor and said, I think I'm having a heart attack. Then after he searched my, investigated my symptoms, found out that I was actually having an anxiety breakdown. But it feels just like a heart attack. mean, was my left arm was getting numb. I couldn't breathe. It was such strong anxiety and uh, I didn't know how to shut my brain off. Then I started to have all of these fears as a dark, dark moment of my soul during that time, mm-hmm. very dark. And uh, if I could open up my vest a little bit, uh, it was the closest I ever came to thinking that death was a better gift than life yeah, because yeah. the only way I could escape the pain And the only way that I thought in this broken down brain during that time of anxiety, the only way people would give me a pass is if I died. And so it was one night, it was extremely dark, that all of a sudden this thought came and said, that's the only way. You have to, death became a better gift because it's like, "Who? finally I can get some rest. And people will give me a pass. Death became a, a better gift than life. That moment, Mary, uh, I knew that Lucifer had entered the room. Mm. And I, because whenever that kind of thought comes into your mind, where death feels better than life, you know, that's, that's the deceiver, the accuser, yeah. the brethren. And boy, that's when I jumped up, went outside and began praying like crazy, crying out to God because I knew that my anxiety had let in the enemy and I was becoming susceptible to his counterfeit. And that was a dark night of my soul, but uh, it, it took that for me to wake up and realize that this is a physical battle and a spiritual warfare that's taking place. And I need to overcome both.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for your vulnerability, Wayne, just to share that with us. I'm sure that you're not the only leader, you know, tuning into this call and a part of this conversation that has hit that place. And to your point, there are powers and principalities at work, in addition to the spiritual and emotional and relational and physical components to this. And even just to summarize where we came from, this came from a place of your best intentions. Right? this came from your very beginning in ministry like i want to do what i can for god i want to have an impact i want to disciple people and so as well-intentioned great motives that Um, I think some people try to have this conversation, most often when I'm talking to leaders, they want to talk about balance, how do I balance ministry in life, and I just, I don't think balance actually exists, I think it's about rhythm, and it's sometimes it's it's the ebb and flow, like the ocean that you both get to enjoy on a surfboard, but uh, it's the ebb and flow of a rhythm, not just balance, and I want to talk about what some of those rhythms were for you that you created out of that time. I've got a couple questions in the chat, but you mentioned this solitude and isolation. And I know you talk about the difference between solitude and isolation. One is refining your soul and one is neglecting. Just share a little bit more about those for you and what that practice is.
2: Yeah, this is such an important point. You see, um, isolation is when, let's say you're at a positive 10 in your energy scale and you uh, you're, you're excited and you start moving with passion for Jesus, but then you start to drain your tank because you're not filling it. Because, by the way, every leader listening, you need to know what fills your tank and what drains your tank. And sometimes ministry, as beautiful as it is, it's going to pull on you. It's going to pull electricity from you. It's going to pull energy. It's going to pull emotion. And so it's going to drain your tank. Well, you need to know what fills it because you're not just some static being you're flexing you're moving you're growing and there's an ebb and flow in your life so i've got to find what fills my tank and uh, for me it's things like sports or reading or going to dinner with my wife just her and myself and maybe a couple of friends and those intimate times i have a horse i ride my horse i play my guitar i ride my motorcycle uh, ocean sports like winfield does you know i just love that well I've got to make time for that. But when you start to get too busy, guess what goes out? It's everything that fills your tank. So when your plus 10 goes down to a minus 10, and you still have to lead in the minuses here, right? You don't stop being a pastor or a church planter or a husband or a wife when you get to zero. You're a minus 10. You still got to feed your kids and get them up in the morning. You still have to bathe them. You've got to do everything but you're running on empty. Isolation is, I got to get out of here. I got to have some time. And so your spouse says, okay, you know, we'll go on a break. And maybe you go from minus 10 till, whoo, you start to catch your breath again. And you're at zero. Whoo, okay, now I'm good. You're not good. You went from a minus 10 to a zip. And now you jump back in. You're just going to drain again isolation is coming from a minus 10 to a zero mm-hmm. solitude is when you're at about a minus uh, you're about a plus four or a plus three you then fill back up at that point to a plus 12 and you start ministering and you start relating out of overflow not scraping the bottom of the barrel under here that's when you lead on empty and sometimes carrie you don't have a choice and i understand that because people expect it of you. So you are only as busy as you want to be. We have to remember that. Often we'll blame the ministry and blame the Holy Ghost or blame God or blame anybody. But we are only as busy as we want to be. Mm-hmm. And you get down to a plus four and you're still fine. That's when to take a time of solitude. Get back to the word of God. Take a few days get into the Word, fill up, and uh, come back at a plus 12. There's a difference between solitude, healthy, isolation, survival.
0: Yeah. This leads me to one of the questions, Wayne, that we had in the chat. of Do you take a yearly sabbatical? How often? How did you utilize time for solitude, for breaks and vacations? Did you have like a, a weekly or monthly or annually rhythm for that?
2: I used to... Uh, Take time every year, a study break in the summertime, and that was good. That really helped me. But I, I found, I find that the older I get, uh, I can't go as long. My endurance quality is reduced. The margins are, uh, the my plate is smaller. So when I was younger, I could go till the cows came home, and then take a break and fill up, and, whew, and then jump back in. You know, I break my leg at eight in the morning, and I'm playing basketball. So, But not anymore. The older I get, I can't wait for six months or seven months. So now I'll take a break every fourth or fifth week, a weekend off, or maybe a few days off, or a week off, whatever. And then I can keep my rhythm going. If not, I break down a lot sooner. So with age, you have to rediscover your parameters. You have to relook at and reanalyze and revisit your margins Mm -hmm. you look at a book and they have margins all the way around the words no one begrudges a book its margins you know it's like there's too much white space no I like to read magazines now with more white space give me more white space and I think people's lives the more white space you have uh, the more people want to read get involved and they're attracted to you Mm -hmm. but when you have a book where words go from the edge of the page to the edge of the page. Not too many people want to engage with that.
0: Yeah. This has been a theme for us. And Dr. Bevins, I'd love you to speak to this too. It seems like every conversation we have, that is one of the keys is that you have to reevaluate what works and what doesn't. It reminds me of like parenting. It's like as soon as you figure out how to parent your little child, the stage changes and they need something different. And, you know, as soon as you figured out, it changes. But that seems to be a theme when it comes to healthy rhythms is that sort of evaluation and redirection about what you really need to remain healthy. Does Does that sound accurate?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things we've talked about, Wayne, is this idea, again, you know, having raised my family on an island. Um, this, you know, hurricanes, when they come through, when a storm comes through, it, it there's a new beach. It completely wipes out the beach yeah. oftentimes. And, and so especially a tsunami of something like COVID, you know, this pandemic, you know, ri- people's rhythms, whatever they had a year ago, have been really uprooted. Um, and in a fast-paced leadership role or leading a church that's growing and changing. And, you know, we have to, I, I think, kind of to your point, as Kerry said, is to reevaluate those rhythms or do they match where we are now? Do they match our needs or age? And, and I think constantly revisiting that is, is very important. Yeah, I read – oh, sorry. I read <laughs> – I revisit
2: mine probably uh, every four to six months now. It used to be every two years, (laughs) Mm. but now it's much, much more, much Mm. briefer. And uh, because I'm changing more now, the older I get. So if you don't, what you won't realize is that what used to work for you in the past is starting to work against you in the future. And you have to reframe everything. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's so well said. If we have these, rhythms and systems, and they serve us, that's great. If it becomes us serving them, it's time to reevaluate them, right? Whatever those structure or patterns are. Um, One of the questions we have here, Wayne, in the chat, and I'm going to add a little bit to it. One of the questions is, looking back, were there people speaking into your life about what they saw, but you didn't hear them? And I want to add a second part, how do we cultivate as pastors and senior leaders relationships such that we have people holding up the mirror, speaking in, calling out if they see those types of you know burnouts in the future
2: the younger you are Carrie the more people want to speak into your life because they figure you're still a white belt you're still an apprentice you're still you know a deacon you're not an elder yet and so a lot of people want to speak into your life but it's sort of like getting counseling uh for your marriage when you're just engaged and so they'll tell you all of the pitfalls of marriage and you're like, oh, there's bliss in my eyes, you know, I'm in love. We're in love. Yeah, yeah. what kind <laughs> of counsel is this? I don't need it. And uh, because you're, you're just taken off here. Well, the younger you are in ministry, you're going to have more people wanting to speak into your life. But as you become an elder or someone where there's a few, a string of successes, uh, people don't want to speak into your life as much. It's like, who's going to tell Pastor Wayne not to do that? You know, who's not, who's going to tell him, you do it. No, you do it. So after, after a while, that uh, list grows very short. So like you said, you need to start cultivating that list, the older you get, and the more successes you have, the more God blesses you, you're going to have to start recruiting some people to speak into your life. and. Often, by that time, you'll know some. They're, they, they're usually older than you are. And I'll, I often say guys with guys and girls with girls because it can get weird. Doesn't matter how long you've been in Christ, the devil is still the devil. And the flesh is still the flesh. So you want to make sure that you have uh, someone that's older than you are. Or if it's someone of the opposite sex, make sure that she or he is 100 years older than you are. <laughs> and so there's no... Uh, problem in between so but cultivate that find someone that's like an elder a grandfather to you and then ask them questions like how do you think it went how do you think this is you know there's some that are just barnabases they're going to encourage you you can fall flat on your face and they'll go what a beautiful face plant that was god used that you know so try to find people that'll be honest with you and say, how am I doing? And I've got a couple that ask me very, very tough questions, You know, and they'll call my wife and ask her, which I don't appreciate, but no, it's really true. It's the best way to, to call Anna and say, how's Wayne doing? How's your marriage doing? So I would encourage people to develop such friendships with what I call elders in their life that aren't afraid to call your spouse mm-hmm. and ask them, or your kids. And ask
1: them because they'll probably be more truthful than you will. But yeah, you got to tell I think to that point, you know, some other people have mentioned this too. Is like sometimes you need a counselor. You know, sometimes yeah. as pastors we need professional help. I remember when I first came to Asbury, people would just regularly ask me, like, "So who's who are you count, You know, who's counseling you? You know, and it's it's a part of the culture here that it's okay to have people speak into your life um and so i think you know that would be something we would encourage leaders as well that really maybe they're at that point where they really need help Um, don't be afraid to reach out to a counselor and i think the other thing i would kind of add to to that point wayne is just having ministry friendships um, surround yourselves with others i'm i'm a part of Now, Asbury's a Wesleyan, you know, one of Wesley's favorite discipleship systems was what he called the band meeting. And this is like three to five people that you met with each week. And the first question is, how is it with your soul? And each week, I'm a part of a Wesleyan, you know, one of these band meetings. There's four of us, and my band meeting was this morning. And, um, you know, for an hour, you know, you're meeting with those people. They're asking you questions about your life, your soul, your sins, your struggles. And to be honest, over the last four years, that has been one of the greatest means of grace in my personal life. Now, I'm blessed because a lot of these, the, the you know, the four of us, I'm the youngest. So a lot of these are like you know, leaders that have been around Asbury for years, Howard Snyder, Steve Siemens, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've been through ministry, they're retired, you know, they kind of just pour into my life. But I think that's what I would just kind of add to that. What type of relationships uh, have you surrounded yourself with? where people can speak into your life. Is it a professional counselor? Is it, is it a mentor? Is it a, is, it a, is it a band of brothers or sisters that you can kind of get in and know that you can kind of share kind of your struggles with? And statistically, um, so many pastors right now feel alone. They feel discouraged and they need relationships. And I think I would just add, just, just very encourage people reach out. People, people want to help. Don't be afraid to reach out.
2: I so agree, uh, Winfield, on that. And one of the reasons I think just personally looking into your little band of brothers there, uh, the transparency starts to take place in an ever-increasing way when it goes from a meeting to a relationship with that person. And they don't condescend to you because you're younger, neither do they – Get enamored with your reputation for whatever reason. Uh, It has to be people that see you just as a brother in Christ, because the land is level at the cross, and it doesn't matter your title. I mean, it's just like Paul the apostle said in the book of Galatians. I, I pitched my gospel that God revealed to me to the biggest band of brothers, the apostles, and they had nothing to add. For God is not a discriminator of persons, and we're all at on level ground at the cross so people that are not enamored with you or don't condescend to you but see you as winfield you know not dr biven is winfield and Mm -hmm. people see me as wayne and then they can speak into my life and at times i may speak into theirs but that relationship of friendship is so critical Mm -hmm.
0: It's very well said, Wayne. And even to your point where you started with this, the higher up you go, the more prominence or more platform or more influence you have, the more difficult it is to have people around you who will tell you the truth. And I I do coaching work with leadership teams and elder boards, and they're often asking that question. And I love this point of like, talk to their spouse, hold a, a safe space to say, how are you really doing? And Winfield coaches, mentors, spiritual directors, counselors, like that we have uh, lots of opportunity to have the right sort of voices speaking into our lives and asking these questions. These are brilliant insights from both of you. Uh, Many of our listeners are church planters, and so they're naturally very innovative, which means they're constantly just adding to the new initiative list. Can you speak to how you use your entrepreneurial giftings without constantly adding new things to your to-do list? What's kind of the responsibility there? Well,
2: that's a really tough one because... If you're innovative or entrepreneurial, then everything you start, you lead. You know, you start a Bible college, you're the president. You start a church, you're the pastor. You start a discipleship group, you're the moderator. And so now you have 15 uh, sticks in the fire and they're all burning up. So one of the things is I have to understand that God's called me to be a pioneer. If you're an entrepreneur or you're an innovator, Uh, biblically speaking sort of like using the uh, church planter parlance you're a pioneer you're not a settler you're a pioneer so once you pioneer a new town you turn it over to a mayor and you move on and you pioneer the next but if you have to be the architect of a house and the builder of that same house and the plumber and the electrician you'll do very few houses in your lifetime. That's why architects only draw houses and they move on to the next. Uh, You as an innovator are an architect. You can see vision. Mm -hmm. But what what our problem is, we start wanting to hammer all the nails because we can do it better. We know where the nails should go. You're going to have to be okay with it being 70 to 80% of what your vision was and move on and God's going to allow these others to become great warriors because you gave them a chance and you didn't demand that they do it as good as you. I wish I would have learned that much sooner, but I almost demanded that things be done up to a certain level. So I had to have my fingers and every pie in the
1: bakery that didn't work. Sure. That's, that's kind of ties into the whole multiplication conversation as As an entrepreneur leader, unless we're raising up others and handing stuff off, that's where real multiplication happens. And if we're doing it, that protects us from burnout as well. I remember the first few years of our church plant, I didn't let anyone preach. I preached every single sermon. Um, and, And so over time, you just learned Wow, I can't be I can't be nailing all the nails, and you know as you said, just you can't do it all. You have to raise up others and begin to release others and empower others. Yeah. Well, um, one leader that um, in so I interviewed like over a hundred long-term church planning pastors, um, kind of in this research that I did. And, You know, one leader talked about as the church grew to kind of keep that entrepreneurial drive alive, he would raise up ministries or he would raise up leaders to take over these new ministries that he would help start he'd raise up new initiatives and then he would raise up leaders and then hand it off. And then he would kind of move on to the next. And so I think that is a key thing that you just mentioned.
2: Yeah, it is. And that's part of the, uh, if you're an innovator an entrepreneur and a pioneer that almost uh, has a apostolic mantle to it, where you raise up others, hand it off and then you oversee them. You, you you do it yourself first. You do it together. second. And they do it, and you applaud, that's third. So it's sort of like you do it, and they watch. Yeah. Second step, you do it together. Third step, they do it, you applaud. And you got to get to that step number three so that you're overseeing it. But that's that apostolic mantle where after a while you're overseeing leaders who are doing the work of the ministry. And that's why God may have given you that vision casting kind of spirit and that ability to innovate and be an entrepreneur, because there's a part of that apostolic mantle that
1: requires that. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say that, you know, as you're saying that, you know, again, uh, one of the great saints that's here in Wilmore is Robert Coleman, you know, who wrote Master Plan of Evangelism. I've sat with, you know, Dr. Coleman numerous times and heard him preach and teach and you know, I tell people we we planted our church with the Bible in one hand and the master plan in the other, and that's that's the genius of Jesus's discipleship strategy as he poured into twelve, so that they would in terms kind of take that thing over, and so that's that's the that's the multiplication at work there. It's great.
0: This next question probably has some real practical implications, kind of even piling on to that last one about new initiatives, but give us some tips on how you're managing other people's expectations, specifically as you're recovering from burnout. But you know, pastors have all sorts of expectations on them. Uh, how do you say no when you need to? How do you lead with a yes when you can? Talk to us about managing expectations related to being a pastor.
2: Yeah, this is a, you're throwing all these very tough questions at me. And uh, <laughs> this is a conundrum and sometimes an enigma because as a pastor, you want to shepherd people. You want to encourage people and they have expectations of you and you want to fulfill them you want to serve them in that way and so simply to say no almost sometimes smacks as if you failed them in their eyes and maybe even in your eyes so what we have to do is not only manage our uh, ministries but we have to manage our language in our ministries watch how we talk because sometimes we're held hostage to our own voices so but i say it this way whenever whenever anyone asks something of you the answer is always yes but let me explain and so absolutely however if we did it this way i could fry this guy could have trouble maybe this guy could do it better so can it be done Answer is yes am i the guy to do it probably not but i would be happy to help navigate this so we can get it done so then the person says, oh, if I just say no, then they're always feeling like I'm putting up a wall. And I don't want to do that. But neither do I want to burn myself out. So I found the way I utilize my language will help them to understand what I'm going through so that they have an empathy but not lose their vision or not lose their idea or not lose their song. So I, so I say, yes, yes. And let's figure out how to do it the best. Sit down and let's figure out how to do it in the best way. So then when it's done, they will have learned something. And uh, I will have taught them and maybe saved myself a bunch of uh, energy that would have been wasted. So I've got to make sure that I'm doing it correctly in that way. Otherwise, I can mess up. I have a little story. Let's just think of a, a a rhetorical um, analogy. Let's, it's like a man who goes to a diner, uh, maybe that coffee shop you were talking about, Carrie, early in the morning and he's half asleep. And a lady puts a saucer down and puts a cup on the top of it and starts pouring him coffee and says, Just say when. Well, he's kind of tired and the coffee fills up, the cup overflows. It goes onto to the saucer. The saucer overflows, and this hot coffee starts spilling on his lap. And then he says, ouch, ouch, what are you doing? And the waitress is jolted back and says, oh, I, I, I said to say when, and you didn't say when. There's times where people will love you to death, literally. They'll love you so much that you will die trying to please everybody and serve everybody and and be a pastor to everyone and do everything that they want. They just want you. They want you to preach the funeral. They want you to do this wedding. They want you to counsel. No, not the other person, you. They will love you to death. And so what we need to do is, do you need counseling? Absolutely. I'll get it together. Now, let's figure out the best way, the best program for you in this counseling session. Well, I want you. No, I'm not the best. Let me figure out what's the best for you. And if you see me as your pastor. Let me help you. And so then things start to work out. Uh, so manage the expectations, manage your language without, uh, without destroying their vision, their hopes, their dreams.
0: Totally. Which takes us back to about like 5%. You're clear on your most important priorities. And then you're able to lead with a yes, when people have those questions, and help them count the cost with you. Like yes, and yes, and, and helping them to continue to have that fire and excitement. And they'll learn that way. They'll grow through it. Totally okay this is my final question just because i have heard you talk about this in the past i i work with so many leaders that will often sacrifice sustainability on the hill of significance and i just wonder if you have any words of wisdom for people about sustainability and ministry for the long haul versus the significance you know that they might sacrifice healthy sustainable leadership for some big significance now Give us any words you have on sustainability.
2: Well, there's always going to be battlefields that you have to win, Carrie. And uh, you you go until you your hand can't let go of the sword, as we find in the Old Testament in Joshua, you know, and it says their hands clung to the sword. They couldn't uh, un because the battle was wearying and long and sustained. There's going to be times there's going to be spiritual battles in your family or in your church. You have to win that battle. And don't think, well, Monday's coming, so I'm going to take a break. The enemy would love for you to do that because then he kills you. So you stay strong because not only are you a man or a woman of rhythm, you're a man or a woman who's a warrior. And you have to understand that balance and that rhythm. That's the call that you have on your life. Don't shed that because we have a uh, thing called rhythm or balance. No, we're, we're in a war. So number one, understand that. Uh, But secondly, uh, there's going to be times where we have to say, I don't need that. Uh, I need to demote myself back to authenticity. Let me say that again. There's going to be times you'll need to demote yourself back to authenticity. Because you see, often we're there to promote ourselves into significance. (laughs) And that's just the human spirit. But there's going to be times you have to say, no, I think it'd be better for my soul if I didn't do that, and I wasn't recognized for it, and let someone else get the credit. I think it's good for my soul. And please remember that, because that will give you mileage like nothing else to the sustainability of your own spirit, and your own energy level. I wish I would have done that sooner. But when I was a young man, I thought I needed to be at the top of every hill, and I needed to go for it, and I need to plant that flag on top of that hill. And uh, I sacrificed a lot of my future energy and sustainability for that significance. And if I had it to do all over again, I could have passed up a lot of those. Because you have to remember, too, that not every opportunity is from the throne of God. It's just the needs of man, and they will love you to death, and you can't allow that to happen.
0: Yeah, it's well said, Dr. Bevins. Any final questions you have before we wrap up our time? Yeah, with- no,
1: Wayne, this has been great. I've taken so many notes. Um, it's it's just been a blessing to just be with you and just uh, just to hear from your wisdom and experience. So thank you for just, I, f- I feel like we've just been mentored and loved on, you know, this past hour. So thank you so much for your humility an and honesty. Yeah,
0: that's been an honor. Thanks, Winfield. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. And I know you said before we hopped on here, just the significant cost that some of these learnings had for you. And so your willingness to invest the wisdom and insight gained so that we can benefit from that, it's tremendous for me. I know for Dr. Bevins, for all of us listening. So thank you for that. Um, Friends that joined us, we want to leave you each time that we gather here with a practice, just a really simple practice that you can begin to incorporate into your rhythms. And so we wanted to introduce you this week, really based on this conversation, to just the idea ideas of a daily RPM check. And we use this um, actually at Community Christian with our leaders and with our staff and Really, it is an invitation to stop each morning uh, as a part of your quiet time and to do a quick check-in on your RPMs. And uh, all of us, you know, we talked about that car analogy earlier. Like a, a car is meant to drive at a certain speed, depending on the kind of car and how how long the trip is. And so it, it's an opportunity for you to sort of check some of the core um, systems of how you're functioning. And RPM stands for relational, uh, physical, mental, which would include sort of mental health and emotional and spiritual. And really, it's taking five minutes each day to just stop and ask yourself the question, how am I doing in my relationships? And if we're honest, this ebbs and flows. There are times our relationships are thriving, and there are times we need to take a step back and do some work on them. But to check in on those core relationships, your relationship with your spouse, with your children, how are your friendships? Do you have that life-giving band of brothers or people where you're investing in one another and having life-giving relationships? So it's just a score. How am I doing on one to 10? on my relational aspect of my life. Uh, the P stands for physical. And we talked about this quite a bit today. What, How am I physically doing in terms of health? How am I fueling myself? How am I sleeping? Uh, what's my physical output? And just how am I doing? And there are times that's a there are times it's probably a negative one. There are times I hope consistently that that's a seven or eight, but it's taking that personal inventory on physical, uh, the mental one as well. My mental health, which includes emotional health. Uh, am I experiencing, we, we talked about anger being one of those symptoms. So what is the condition of my mental health, my spiritual health? If you're someone who needs to be intellectually challenged to stay healthy, how's your reading? What are you doing to invest in that mental and emotional health? And then the S stands for spiritual. And again, it's just taking a point in time reference. Uh, It's a self grade or self evaluation, if you will, but how am I doing spiritually? Am I sitting in silence and solitude? Am I engaging in the Lectio practice and reviewing my day? Am I running too fast and skimming and not even paying attention to what the Spirit of God is saying to me? And so uh, taking this inventory, this RPM's inventory, will just give you as a leader that point in time reference. And if you journal and include that in your journal, you'll be able to look back and you can really then begin to say, what sort of rhythms what sort of pause, what kind of day off or spiritual weekend, what do I need to continue to lead as uh, Wayne so clearly drew out from that one to 10 place and not be leading from the negative. So if you joined us today, we'll send you uh, just a little write up about that. Practice tool, we want to continue to equip you with ways to engage healthy rhythms for thriving leadership. And then finally, as we close, I just want to let you know Exponential is providing this opportunity for anyone who is interested to help advance the kingdom together in your area. If you are interested, you and your church, in serving to host one of the Exponential Roundtables, it could be for churches in your city, it could be for your whole network of churches, we would love to equip you and partner with you in offering an Exponential Roundtable. Simply go to multiplication.org slash host for more information. We'll follow up with you. We want to equip you with content and with the skills to be able to partner with other churches in your city and in your network for the sake of Kingdom Impact. Uh, That's why we do this. We're so thrilled to have had you join us today, and we look forward to seeing you again in two weeks on Thursday.